Happy, happy new year. It is 2024, everyone. And what does that mean? It means goals, resolutions, new books. Amazing. If you need help planning your 2024 resolutions, please reach out to me either by my email or my website or my Instagram. I'm super happy to help you all plan your wonderful 2024 ahead. I think the word that comes to my mind is pivot this year. Um, and I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Aren't you excited? All right. Let's go ahead and dive into our very amazing guest, Steve Schlom, who is the author of The Harvesting of Haystacks Cane. Now, what I really liked about this chat was not just how Steve, you know, really faces his kind of long writing career, which has so much experience in it, but also the different avenues that he's taken that feed into his experience, as well as the mentality that he has as far as, you know, approaching your your work, having the support system, you know, like agents and uh, feedback and things like that. So I'm excited for y'all to dive into this. Um, it was really amazing to just talk with him, understand, you know, what life was like, you know, um, early on for him as a writer and how he pursued forward. So y'all, oh, also don't forget the fiction contest, um, nonfiction and fiction. If you have a memoir, nonfiction, if you published a book in 2023 as an indie author, make sure to follow me on LinkedIn. It's pretty easy to find me. Just put in my full name. Um, I am one of the chosen judges for the fiction side of things, but um, this is open to anyone who indie published in 2023. It is a contest by Quill Hawk Publishing. Enter, and there are some amazing goodies if you win, and there are some honorable mentions. So again, if you published a book, indie published in 2023, do check that out. Follow Quill Hawk Publishing, and y'all, I'm super excited to dive into some fiction. All right, so here we go. Welcome to the How to Write a Book podcast, the show that helps you plan, write, and publish your book, even if you're a beginner or just feel like one. Now, for your host, she's written over a dozen books and helps others bring their books to life. Here she is, Maciel. Okay, and welcome back to the How to Write a Book podcast. Hi, Steve. How are you doing today? I'm okay. And you? How are you? I'm good. I'm very good. It is a fine winter's day here in LA, which you're really close to me. You're in San Diego. It's awesome. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a cold and shivery day down here in San Diego, actually. An unusual um, day because we use, we really have the best weather in the country. So. It's gorgeous down there. Gorgeous. And I would know because I've actually was there for a little while. So it's awesome. Right. <laughs> Yes. Well, thank you so much, Steve, for joining us today. Let me do a little bit of an introduction, and then, of course, I'm excited to dive in. So Steve Schlam is a multi-talented actor and writer who has lived in several cities across the U.S. and in Mexico. Uh, you hold a master's degree in creative writing in English, which you earned under the guidance of Joseph Heller, the renowned author of Catch-22. Um, your latest work is The Harvesting of Haystacks Kane, which tells the story of Herschel Kane, also known as Haystacks Kane, a wrestler and butterfly collector who has been exploited by those around him. Through your writing, Steve, you explore the deeper truths of existence, weaving together compelling narratives that captivate readers from start to finish. We're super excited to have you. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, obviously we have a little bit of a bio, but Steve, tell everybody, who are you? 
Okay. That's, uh, and, uh, I would like to do it in 25 words or less, but it's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm, I'm a native New Yorker, which you may be able to tell from the way I speak. Uh, I lived in New York for a whole bunch of time. Uh, went to college up in upstate New York at uh, Harper College, now part of Binghamton University. Um, got a degree there. Went to law school at NYU. Got a degree there. Um, mucked around, uh, looking for what I wanted to do with myself. Uh, in the process of doing that, I had begun to write. And so I got the degree from, uh, City University in New York. Uh, the one you, you just mentioned, uh, and I studied with Joe Heller, who was a very, very, um, very down to earth, uh, plain spoken, plain kind of a guy with no airs, even though he wrote a, a novel whose title has entered the language, you know. So, um, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, I practiced law part time for a period of time. Uh, which is a gig that is extremely difficult to come by, but I did. Uh, and eventually, um, it was not a good fit. It never was a good fit. Uh, and so I left and kind of um, mucked around all over again, looking for the next direction to take. And um, uh, by accident, I stumbled into a, a, a business arrangement where uh, I wound up as an exporter selling lumber uh, to uh, to mainly to flooring manufacturers in Europe and some in Asia as well. Uh, during this period of time, I, I, I had my writing became uh, a more serious concern. I also started acting. I've done over the last, I don't know, 30 years or whatever it is. Um, I've done I've acted in every place I've ever lived, and I've lived in several places, as you mentioned. Um, I'm mostly on stage, um, and uh, I've done a couple of films as well, short films. It's been a modest career, and that's okay. Um, uh, I, 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 my focus has always been on the writing. The writing is the more serious con- concern and the more serious interest, I should say. Um, and um, haystacks, the, the harvesting of haystacks came is is my first published novel. I've got some short stories. I had a couple published back when, um, and uh, the, the novel will come out. Uh, it's scheduled to come out in March, uh, and of course, I'd love everybody in the entire world to buy it. But mainly, I have to I have to um, to put it out there in, in such a way that it can be seen. And uh, that's one of the reasons I'm here with you tonight. Um, and uh, and so I live in in Southern California in San Diego with my wife in a pretty little craftsman house with lemon and orange trees growing in the backyard. Uh, and um, and 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 so um, I think that's a, a a a good beginning to who I am. Beautiful. Uh, I'm I'm always I've always been somebody who's Fascinated by language. Um, I was always told when I was young, uh, hey kid, you got a really good mouth. You know, you're, you, you know, you ought to go to law school and which I did. <laughs> um, and, uh, my, my literary heroes are writers who, whose focus was largely on language, the plasticity of it, 
what it can do, what it can be made to do, how it can be uh, twisted and turned and, and propelled through various hoops to bring the reader to a, to a place, to a, a more transcendent experience of language that, that is transcendent in a sense that it goes beyond the literal meanings of the words to the, the layer of meaning that exists beyond and above the, that literal meaning. It's what I call the river of words. And, uh, and uh, you can hear it in chants. You can hear it in music. Um, uh, and and uh, so the writers that, that, uh, that are my literary heroes uh, start mainly with William Faulkner, who, whose work I absolutely adore and who, um, who once said that he and Thomas Wolfe wanted to put the entire world in a single sentence. And um, if I could do that, I would do it in a heartbeat. And it is really what I try to do. Whether I'm successful or not is not for me to judge. I mean, it is for me to judge, but it, it's also for the for everybody else in the world to judge. You know, um, I want to take you on a journey. I want you to to jump into the river of words and be carried along toward some type of of, of epiphany of what of what life is all about, what mean what meaning is, and what what is what what is important in 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 your existence um these are highfalutin goals and i don't always achieve them i don't know if anybody does really any writer but it's a it's always there in the in the uh, out there uh, as a kind of a, a a goal to reach a target to shoot at a reminder that that's where i want to go so yeah, that's beautiful. I I love what you said, the river of words, because, yeah, I mean, you can mold language to be so many different things. I mean, even just writing like a business email, you know, if you say it this way or if you say it that way, right. you could be saying different things. Yes, yes. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I notice, you know, I'm, I'm busy um, trying to contact um, uh, literary journals for to see if I can submit portions of, you know, the excerpts from the novel for publication or soliciting uh, potential blurbs and reviews and so on. And I noticed that I'm, I'm and I, I'm always like this, you know, you, what you really want to do is crank it out because there's so much of it to do and you have time limits that you have to deal with. You know, your book is coming out at a certain, on a certain date and you want to make sure that everything is, you know, you, you can accumulate all the, the collateral that you need to to lift it up from the pack, draw it out from the pack so that it's more visible than, than the pack, by which I mean all the other writers who run, who race like lemmings toward the same sea, you know. Um, and so, but I I can't help it. I always try to craft the, the even a letter like that, you know, so that it's the precise language that, that that it ought to be to express whatever it is I'm trying to express, no matter how mundane. And that is both a vice and a virtue. You know, it makes me sensitive to language. It makes me a craftsman in some sense, but it also takes up more time, more internal energy and so on and so on. But, you know, you are who you are and you, you try to make the most of it, I, I suppose. 
that's something I can very much resonate with. You know, <laughs> look over like the the paragraphs or even a short paragraph. Like, I, how do what what am I actually saying? Even right. an instant right. message. What am I actually saying? What can I say better? You know, I'm yeah. actually grateful for emojis, even though they've cut a lot of the language needs from me. But at least like. When I have an emoji, I can put like a thumbs up or like a smile. Like this is what I meant when I said that. But I will tell you, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I don't come. I mean, I'm older than you, quite obviously, and 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 uh, I don't come from the place in which we used shortcuts for for meaning or or uh, and so uh, it worries me in a sense that that. Uh, you know, it's so easy to use these shortcuts, but I, I find it or believe it to be alienating because I think it it distances people you know when you use that type of shorthand maybe maybe shorthand is a better word than shortcut um, and when you when you see what I'm doing the same thing that we're talking about when you when you use when you use shorthand like that you don't have to reach inside for the precise meaning that you want to convey to the other person in the conversation or in the dialogue the email dialogue or whatever it turns out to be yeah. and so you 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 remain distant, and I frankly I, I think um, the, the what I will kind of this is a phrase I never wanted to use, but here it goes. Uh, the younger generation is is extremely alienated from one another, and to my in, in my judgment from themselves, because they don't they 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 don't want to to make contact with with the the um, the internal world that is messy and and uh, and sometimes chaotic and 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 can be threatening and so on. Uh, they they want to keep it neat. They want you know they they want to keep it well organized and controlled. And they don't want to show vulnerability. Is this true of everybody all the time? Of course not. But I've seen it enough um, to to be aware of it and to and it troubles me. You have an excellent point because I feel like me, I'm also fighting against that. And like, no, I mean, like internally, not against folks, like with people, me, myself, I feel those effects because I want to hurry through things. Yeah. I want to, you know, just spit it out. Um, so definitely what you're saying is losing that, that connection. I can totally feel that even with messages that I get, you know, um, I have to read it and I have to, just, back up and understand where is this person coming from? What are they saying? Because they might have just said, like, thumbs up. But I'm actually, like, I asked them, like, a yes or no question. <laughs> so I'm like, hmm, even right. that communication, yeah, so I absolutely. Right, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, uh, go ahead. I, you know, if I, to, to go back to, 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 write, to write writing, I mean, if I could write music, uh, I, I probably wouldn't be on this podcast interview with you tonight. I mean, because what I am trying to do is to write, when I talk about the language that leads you to a transcendent moment, mm -hmm. that is, to do that is to write music which, to be lyrical, to be poetic, and to, and to create something that is akin to music, because music does not have a verbal uh, an intellectual content to it. It's all about, it, it appeals, I mean, I'm, I'm, in some sense I'm, I'm, I'm stating the obvious, but it appeals to the, the, the depths of your inner world 
that doesn't need to think and con- and conceptualize. And and so that is what I'm trying to do in in the writing that I'm doing uh, in in my novel. Uh, and again, whether I'm successful or not is not for me to judge, really. But I know in my heart of hearts that there are places where I am successful in just that way and where I can take you on a ride from which when you get off, it'll be like getting off and getting out of the car at the bottom of the roller coaster and you go. Yeah. So. And that brings me to the next question, uh, which is you have an extensive writing background. Why did you choose this story of Herschel Cain to be like your first published novel? Why this story? Okay, well, that's and that's a very fair question. And it's a question I sometimes ask myself, but the easiest answer is um, it came to me in a dream. Um, it was one of these, I was during one of these transition periods that I, that I mentioned to you. Um, and I was, um, I was living in Brooklyn Heights, which is a historic district in Brooklyn that overlooks the Statue of Liberty and the Brooklyn Bridge and when it was still there, the World Trade Center. Um, and I was living in a rent controlled building at the, on the top floor of a rent controlled building. It was summertime. It was hot as hell. And I, and I, and I went to sleep and I had this dream and I got up. I had begun writing at that point. Um, not this, I didn't, I didn't begin writing the novel, but I had begun writing. I was in the middle of, of writing and developing my skills and, and accessing my subconscious, which is opening the door to my self-conscious on a regular basis. My subconscious, I should say, on a regular basis, which is what is necessary for, to, to, in order, in order to, to be, uh, properly creative is what I'll call it. And so I go to sleep and I wake up in the middle of the night with a very, very powerful dream. And I got the last line of my book, which I'm not going to tell you because I want you to read it. Um, but I got the last line of my book and I was, I was uh, jarred and, and I kind of didn't know where I was for a moment. And, and then all of a sudden I heard voices talking to me in, uh, uh, internally. Uh, nobody was really talking to me, but they, they were talking to me inside my head, and I thought, oh, well, I've finally gone off the deep end. They're going to come after me soon with the butterfly nets, you know, oh, no. and, take, and take me away. And then, I, and then I realized that it was characters, that characters were, 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 were speaking uh, in kind of in monologues, uh, uh, there was some, there was some dialogue as well, but a lot of it was in monologues and, and what I identified to be monologues. And so I got up out of bed and I didn't know what to do. So I, I, I had, my desk was out in the little foyer that we had in the apartment and I went to my desk. I had no air conditioning. It was in July, I think, or something like that. And it was hot as hell. And, and I sat at my desk and I started to, I had a yellow pad and a pen and I started to write stuff on my, and I, I tried to capture everything that I that I possibly could because I knew instantly that this was not it wasn't a poem it wasn't a play it wasn't even a short story I knew right away it was a novel. Now, if you ask me how, I cannot tell you. I just knew, and so I and I, I knew that it would all d- disappear. It would go away. It would it would it would dissipate like smoke in the end. 
And so I, I furiously wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and I filled up a whole bunch of pages. And of course I didn't capture everything. You, you, you can't, your memory, and I have an excellent memory, I always did, but your memory is not capable of holding everything. You know, some of it's going to seep out through the cracks. Some of it's simply going to blow away and some of it you're going to retain. And I retained a good bit of it. And then the next question arose is that arose is what am I going to do next? Because I was working at the time and I knew just as I knew this was a novel and not a short story. I knew that if I continued to write, I'd never go back to work. I, I, I mean that I would have to quit. And I don't, I didn't, I was, I mean, I was married at the time uh, and, and I, my, I didn't know whether, whether she would be able to support us and, and, and all the practical realities of life came rushing in, you know, and, and I just, and I sat there and I, you know, and I kind of, I went this way and that way inside myself. And, and finally I, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't just throw everything over and, 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 uh, and, 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 and and forge ahead into the unknown. I just couldn't do it. And so I I uh, I, I kept writing for a while and, and and captured as much as I could and then I went back to sleep and the next day I went to bed to, to work and uh but I was working part time and so what I did I was practicing law part time as I said earlier and, and I, what I did was I arranged to continue to do that. The, the guy that I was working with was a small firm in New York and, and the, the guy that I was working for was willing to let me continue. And so I arranged it so that some days, uh, some days I would go into the office for the full day and then the next day I wouldn't work, I wouldn't work at all and that day I would write. Other days I'd go into the office for half a day and I'd either write in the morning, go in in the afternoon or work in the morning, come back home and write in the afternoon. And so I was able, I was, so I was able to do that. And in, in the first six months of, of writing, uh, the novel and it began to take shape, those voices came back to me, thank goodness. Um, and, and I, 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 I began to, as I said, I began to shape an, or a narrative began to take shape inside in, in my consciousness. Um, was it uh, polished and and uh, and 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 precise and pristine? No, not, not at all. Uh, it, it, it had to evolve. It had to be refined. It had to be cut and pasted and so on. Um, and um, and I did that in the first six months. I wrote um, I, I think fifty thousand words. So I was doing ten thousand words a month, which I don't know whether that's good or bad, but it, it, to me it seemed like a lot. And, and I liked, I mostly liked what I did, which is of course, uh, the impetus to continue. Um, and then I ran into, I ran into some problems and I, I ran into writer's block. Um, and, um, so you're, uh, there we go. There we go. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so, and that's a whole other story, but, but the the fact that I did run into writer's block um, extended the time that I that I that it took me to write the novel uh, by by uh, an awful lot. 
And if you want to talk about it, we can. If not, we can go on to other things. Like, oh, definitely. Yeah. Tell us, tell us all about the beast of writer's block and like the whole journey. Cause I know that this is something that, that you know, you had brought up. You want to talk about it absolutely hits on the show that we have here. Tell us about your writer's block. So, uh, I was, I mean, you know, you're, you're a writer, but you're also a human being with a life. It's, you're not only a writer. And, and so I, there were things going on in my, in my personal life. Uh, and things going on in, in, in my interior life that, uh, that came, to, I'm not going to go into all the gory details, but, but it suffice to say that all of a sudden I would go sit at, and I did this, I, my routine was always the same. I wrote in the same place. I wasn't one of these people who, who went to, well, we didn't really have Starbucks at that point, I don't think. Um, uh, when I started, but, but in any event, I, I, I didn't go to the library. I didn't go anywhere else. I always wrote in the same place. And all of a sudden, when, where everything had been coming, nothing was coming. <clears throat> and it's one of the most, um, frustrating and really in, in a sense, terrifying experiences you can have. Um, most people will never have it. They're never going to try to write a novel. But if you're a writer, and all of a sudden you're dry and, you know, you, you're, you're trained to find something, which of course makes it worse. Um, it's terrifying, uh, because it's, it, because it, it, in a sense begins to rob you of the identity that you've crafted for yourself. You know, I mean, in other words, Hey, if I'm not a writer, kind of what am I, you know, and, and, and how come I can't do this, you know? Um, why can't I do this? And so it, 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 it triggers a lot of soul searching and so on. And this went on for an extensive period of time. I'd sit there and I, nothing would come or I'd get two or three sentences or I'd get a couple of paragraphs. Uh, and if I was lucky, I'd get a page. I, uh, you know, figuring three, four hundred words is a page. Um, uh, and, uh, sometimes, it was even what I got, even if it was small, it was no damn good. Um, sometimes it was, but it wasn't enough, you know. And 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 so I I struggled back and forth with this for a considerable period of time, and then all of us, not all of a sudden, but gradually, um, the 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 fog, I'll call it, lifted, and uh, I was able to I was able to write. Um, I, I never wrote, I, I never uh, returned to the, to the, to the place where it was just pouring out of me where I could sit and watch it come out of my arm, you know? Uh, I never returned to that place. But it, it was, I was, moved, I was back in control of it, uh, and there was, there was a channel between, um, between me and my subconscious mind that permitted me to access material that came out in the form of words is the way I would put it, you know. And so eventually I finished it. Um and um uh, you know kind of then then you turn to the I mean writers just to finish up on writers block because that's the question you asked me. Um it was you know in retrospect uh as you can see I'm I'm not you know I'm not 20 or 30 years old and it it was one of the really one of the worst experiences uh, I think I've ever had in my life. Um, up there with lo- losing loved ones and, and, and divorce, which I have gone through as well and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, because 
as I said, it, 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 it made me feel totally, totally impotent, totally without control over my own destiny. Um, and, and robbed me of something that, that I loved, you know, um, because when the writing is good, I mean, I had periods where I, I would sit, sit there and, and, and it really was just like it just came out of my arm. It was writing itself. And I could just kind of sit back and, and, and do that. I mean, I once, I once wrote, um, there's a soliloquy, I'll call it in, in my novel, uh, that comes from my character's ex-wife. Um, and, um, it's, it's, it's got sexual content in it. Um, it's kind of my version of Molly Bloom in Joyce's Ulysses. And um, I didn't do it purposely, but that's kind of the way it came out. And so actually she is reading uh, Ulysses when this happens. But um, anyway, so I guess I did do it purposely, but, not, but kind of purposely, but not, if that makes any sense. Um, and I mean, I sat there. Um, and I sat there, and it was also in the in the summertime. Maybe that helped me uh, because it was literally hot. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, it, it I wrote like uh, I think it was fifteen hundred or two thousand words in like an hour, I mean, some ridiculously short period of time, you know, uh, or less than that. I, I don't really remember, but it it was it was a. Uh, to, and I'll use a, a sexual term, and I don't mean it this way, but it was almost an orgasmic experience in the, in the, in the sense of of being that uh, that powerful and that and that um, again transcendent, because in some sense I disappeared and the writing replaced me, and then I came back. If that makes any sense to you at all. So, yeah. And so when it was good, and when it is good. It was better than food. It was better than love. It was better than sex. It was better than anything, and is, or can be, can be, and so, and that's, and that's, I think, I think in the end, that's why people do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, th- apart from whatever commercial considerations they they have and are operating from, they do it because it takes them to a place they can't get to any other way, and it's a better place than most every other place they go to in their lives. Um, and that is, uh, that is a kind of a, first of all, it's wonderful, but it, it is, it is the, it is human beings becoming the highest forms of themselves in my, in my journey, you know, and who, who wouldn't want to go there, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. I agree with you. Like that feeling when you come out on the other side. Um, it's a whole other feeling. You feel you're on a different cloud, you know, totally. So you said something that I wanted to ask further on. Um, sure. And how, how much do you have another 15 minutes or so? Yeah. Is that available to you? Just let me know. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Cool. Um, so you said that the fog started to lift right. once you hit the writer's block. So would you say that for you going through writer's block was like, Time, time was your healer, or was it other elements that helped you push? Time that? was both my enemy and my healer, um, because the longer it went on, the worse it felt, and mm-hmm. things have a way of of, uh, of, of uh, reinforcing themselves. So that the longer you can't write, the longer you can't write. 
Um, and so there has to be some way of, of, uh, of, I'm mixing a whole bunch of metaphors here, but there has to be some way of breaking the chain mm-hmm. so that, so that, so that new, new energy can flow in. Uh, and, and this, this particular repetitive connection of, of, of non-connection, uh, can, can be, can be eliminated. And, and, um, how did that happen? I don't know. It just began to happen. And in that sense, time was a healer, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I, 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 um, I went through some, some, as I said, I had some personal stuff in my life and personal stuff in, inside myself, psychological stuff, maybe if uh, you, you, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as that, as those things resolved, I, I, I'm pretty certain that it, it, um, it, they resolved inside me. And when they resolved inside me, the, the doors began to open up. Uh, I wasn't holding, I wasn't resisting, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, um, letting fear or anxiety or, or anger or any, any of the negative emotions that can stop you from being creative. Not to say that you can't be creative when you're when you're upset or angry or something like that, but a lot I f- I found that it was it's a, it's a it's a blockage, it's an obstacle. Um, so and I assume that as I resolved those issues inside myself uh, and 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 my psyche relaxed and permitted itself to express itself again. Uh, I, I'm not a shrink, and I don't. I mean, I'm not playing one on TV. You know, and, but, uh, but but I mean, I I I think that's a pretty uh, uh, I'm I'm comfortable with that explanation. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. Like as you start to open up, your writing starts to open up. I want to ask a very specific question because this is something that I think I'm going through, and I think maybe other people are going through. And you you kind of have hit on it, but just in case you have an additional nugget of wisdom, do you feel or did you feel like you were? You felt guilty. You felt because you said that you felt that kind of like you know I'm not a writer. If I'm not a writer, who am I? Right. Do you ever feel guilty that you're like, how can I forgive myself for the time I haven't written? You know that thought. Um, that's a very interesting question. Um, I, I don't know if that was the case with me. I think I did a lot of beating up on myself. Yeah. You know, hey, look at you. Why aren't you doing this? What's the matter with you? You know that kind of stuff. Um. I don't know that I, I felt guilty about taking it, taking the opportunity away from myself. I, I, I could not say a definite yes to that. It was more that the anguish, um, I wouldn't call it guilt. It's the anguish increased the longer I, I couldn't do it. And of course, the, ang- the, the more anguish you have, the more, the more uptight and, 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 and tense and, 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 and unnatural you become, you know. Yeah. And that that inhibits creativity big time. So from what I understand, you know, it was a gradual process. But do you remember any specific day that you're like, I've, this is it, Eureka, I finally pushed no, through? No, no, I, I it wasn't Eureka. It wasn't that kind of thing. I mean, it was more the, the beginning of it was more a kind of negative Eureka than the end of it was a positive Eureka, if that makes any, any sense to you, which is to say – that all of a sudden I was blocked, and that's what I mean by negative eureka. It's like, huh? You know, you look around and, 
huh? Yeah. And and whereas the end was more of a gradual opening and 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 relaxation back into uh, ordinary creative work, you know, ordinary creative effort. Um, so that would be my answer to you. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I, I can see that. Like, I can, based on what you were telling me, how it would be like a negative Eureka. Thank you for answering that question. I feel like that question was definitely more for me. Maybe, I'm hoping everybody in the audience also got it from that, but I was like, I really want to ask this question. I mean, I'm, I, my, my, my novel, I mean, my character in a sense is going through a similar process because he's been, um, he weighs 607 pounds. Um, He's been gravely injured in a match with his um, uh, with another wrestler who uh, is his longtime nemesis and arch rival, and who has uh, who has um, seduced his wife and um, and played and played him for a fool on more than one occasion. Uh, and so he and and so he. Um, and so has delivered a beating to to her Haystacks in the in the, in a match which was scripted and shouldn't and that shouldn't have occurred. And Haystacks is lying Herschel really. I think of him as Herschel. Um uh, that's his real name. He's lying in his hospital bed, really two beds lashed together, um immobilized and unable to speak, um uh trying to figure out what's happened. You know, both in the immediate sense and over the longer course of his life and what to do about it. You know, he wants to know what he, he, he wants to know what the meaning of it is. It, you know, the it that has taken his family from him, his wife from him, laid him low and the it that can release him from the bonds of his history, I would say. And, and, and propel him forward uh, to the place he really wants to go, which is Greece, um, which he sees as a kind of a, a, a paradise, an Eden, where he will be able to live free as his authentic self. So uh, so in that sense, I, I'm exploring, you know, ex- existential themes, I guess you'd say. I mean, I didn't set out to explore existential themes, but that's the way you would describe it, you know. I also love how this novel, it seems to have kind of been your buddy throughout life. And I say buddy lightly, you know, like it feels like it's more like that soulmate, you know, it's carrying you, it's with you during your, your moving, you're changing jobs, you're changing right. careers. Right. What was it like, you know, you finally got it published. What was that relationship that changed your work? How did that change? Um, you know, you write it, but. It it comes to life when others take it over, when others perceive it, read it, you know, comment on it, criticize it, et cetera, et cetera. In other words, it begins to have a life of its own. And you can't control, I mean, it's your child, but you can't, it's your child. It really is your child. I don't have children of my own. So for me, it, it kind of does serve as, I used to have a dog, but. But my wife and I have had a dog and she passed on and it was a devastating experience. I mean, it was, it really was literally like losing a family member. Yeah. Um, but, you know, apart from that, I don't have real live children. And so the book has always been my child. It's, it's something I can 
I can put out into the world and say that I made that, you know, um, you know, every writer Faulkner said this too, and I'm going to say, I'm going to tell tell you what it is. He said, you know, every writer wants to say, wants to write, Hilroy was here on the walls of eternity. Okay. And, and that's, you know, right. I mean, I see you move. Yes. And so, and so the book, the novel is my way of doing that. But though it's my child and though I want to protect it and nurture it, um, once I let it go into the world, I cannot control the way the world is going to treat it. And no writer can. I mean, you can, you can do publicity and marketing and promotion, you know, from here to doomsday. But the, the world is going to is going to make its own judgments and have its own reactions, and you have no control over that whatsoever, whether you think so or not. Um, so that, that, that would that would that would be my answer. And it's very exactly as you put it. It's like having a child, like raising a child. Eventually, they leave. They grow yeah, up. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. They leave. Yeah. They exactly. exactly. And, and and that's as it should be because because it's I mean it's. Excuse me. The work shouldn't remain closeted with you or inside you. I mean, you wrote it. I mean, you're not keeping a diary. You're writing a novel. Mm-hmm. And so, although the novel, in a sense, I mean, there, there aren't there aren't that. I'm sure there were things of my own life. I don't. Go, I try not to go here. But there, I'm sure there are, there are events and and feelings and and people from my own life who have been transmogrified, which is a fancy fifty dollar word or changed uh, into characters and, and situations in the novel, you know. Um, but I, I try to stay away from that over-identification with my own creation, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but 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 um, those things, I mean, you, 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 you don't keep it with yourself. You've made it, you've done it to be crass. You, you produced a product, mm-hmm. and that product is out in the marketplace and the marketplace will decide whether they like it or don't like it, whether they want to buy it or not, whether it's cheap or expensive and so on and so on, you know, and that's as it should be. You know, I mean, that's the game. That's the process. So, um, you know, I, 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 again, I want to protect it and nurture it and, and, and all of that, but I am aware that uh, it has to leave and stand on its own legs, and hopefully it will. Yeah, has gone to the world, become its own adult. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So, um, and you know, actually, now before we move on, I feel like you know, even when we write for ourselves or for other people, we feel we do keep we take pieces of ourselves, we put it in there, you know, put the bad and the good pieces we don't even want in there. Right. They somehow come out like, oh wait, I, I know my great aunt. I know she's in there. I can see her. You know. But you know, I, I in other words, I don't think that that's, um, I, I don't see that as a productive avenue because that is to say, to be too conscious of the parallels or the modeling that you're doing of the character on somebody you actually know of a situation you've been in uh, uh, that you've now. Uh, uh, Inserted into your into your work, mm-hmm. um, because I, I think it 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 binds you to it it's too, it makes things too tight. It binds you too closely. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't allow you to 
I mean, the wonderful thing about writing or any creative effort is that it's it's an avenue to freedom. You know, it's an exercise in freedom, I'll call it. And the more that you are um, you are tethered to a, a concept, you know, a, a person that that you who was a relative or a friend or whoever, uh, and 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 have to, have to try to make sure that all the characteristics of that person uh, appear in the character in the novel, uh, the less freedom you you have. You know, you're 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 bound, as I said earlier. And so uh, I, I don't. I, I mean, I never. I, I, I never try. I, I tried to stay away from that. Right. Always try to stay away from that, even though I sometimes had a sense that, oh, that happened to me, or, or, or you know, gee, that reminds me of whoever, you know. That makes a lot of sense. You're right about the freedom. Yeah. Um, let's see. I just want to ask one more question here before we start to head towards the end of this. Um, so when it comes to putting your work out, it sounds like, like, you know, you said that your, your work doesn't really come alive until a lot of people touch it. So it sounds like a, a good positive process for you to get feedback. Yeah. How was that process for you? Well, I mean, it's not published yet, so I haven't gotten, I mean, I've had people read it, you know, my publisher has read it, of course, and and uh, and some several other people who, who whose opinions I re- I respect, you know, um, but that's a very small sample, and and I mean I will only get um, I, I'll only be able to answer your question fully when it's when it's out in the world and hopefully uh, people notice it and and I get feedback, you know, on I don't know Goodreads or uh, whatever. I mean. It, or critical response, or, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, the real problem is that these days is that there are so many books clamoring for the attention of the reader, and there, there are fewer readers. I mean, people keep telling me this. I read, and everybody I know reads, but I keep hearing that people don't read. Um, yeah. um, I don't, I, and I don't really know whether that's true or not, but the point is that there are so many novels, short story collections, et cetera, clamoring for the attention of readers that the, the, the whole, whole name of the game is, as I said earlier, to lift yourself out of the pack because otherwise you, you, nobody knows you exist. Nobody knows your work exists. And uh, it's, I hate this part of it, to be perfectly honest, but it's a necessary evil mm-hmm. because otherwise, you know, you, you have your book never sees the light of day, truly. And, you want it to see the right of the light of day. You want it to be read. You want to be heard. That's one of the one of the I think main main drivers for writing in the first place. It's not just about about you and you. It's about you tugging at the sleeve of the world and saying, "Hey, I have something to say. Will you listen?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was beautifully said. By the way, thank you. Thank you. So, um, are there any other topics or quotes or inspirational bits that you would like to share with the audience before we move on to where they can find you? Um, I think, um, no, I, I think, I think I've said enough at this moment. Yeah. That was great. Thank you. So now where can everybody find you and where can they find your soon to be out book? Well, I have a website. It's www.steveschlam.com. That's S T E V E. S-C-H-L-A-M, uh, all small letters, no punctuation. Um, 
And uh, the, the website is in its infancy. I'm in the process of setting it up. In a, in a, it's, it's set up, but it needs uh, additional tweaking. We will have a pre-launch period. Uh, sorry, a pre-launch order period that will start, I want to say, in the middle of January. Um, it can be, it can be, uh, and where it will be, where readers will be able to buy the book either on through my website or through my publisher, um, which is www.8house. That's numeral eight, t h house. I think it's publishing.com. Uh, if you look up Eighth House Publishing, you'll see the website. Uh, and then, of course, we'll be, I mean, uh, in on the usual places, Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and so on and so forth. We Again, the launch date is scheduled for March, um, and the pre-launch uh, order period will begin, I want to say, middle of January. So if you're interested, and I hope everybody is, um, you'll be able to find us, make a note, you know, put it in your in your phone or something to, to, be, to be, to, to go and look for us right around then. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, speaking of whenever you do get a chance to, um, have the, the, the feedback, you know, what the world thinks of it, we would love to have you back so that we can talk about that, you know, talk about how, how it's going, how it was different than you expected. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. I'd be happy to. My pleasure. Awesome. All right. Well, Steve Schlam, author of The Harvesting of Haystacks Cane. Thank you so much. Well, congratulations. We're looking forward to your book from the How to Write a Book podcast. Thank you for being here. And thank you for having me. Take good care. And that's a wrap for today's episode of the How to Write a Book podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you want to keep up with me and my work, check out the website, blackheartedstudios.com. That's www.blackheartedstudios.com. And follow me on Instagram, at Maciel Writes. That's at M-A-S-S-I-E-L Writes. As a book coach and publisher, I'm passionate about helping aspiring authors bring their stories to life. So if you've been dreaming of writing a book and don't know where to start, head to my website and let's chat. You get a free 30 minutes on me. Thanks again for listening and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks.